This is Christian Questions. Bill Richardson once said, Ignorance has always been the weapon of tyrants. Enlightenment, the salvation of the free. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And folks, we're truly glad you've chosen to spend some time with us on this fine Sunday morning. Good morning, Jonathan. What's going on? What's happening? What's new? What are we talking about? Good morning, Rick. Our question for this morning is, and get this one, are you ready? I'm ready. How many resurrections will there be? And our theme text is found in Psalms chapter 45, verse 10. Listen, O daughter, give attention and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house. All right. So how many resurrections will there be? And a scripture that doesn't talk about resurrection at all. How about that? Where are you going with this? That's what I want to know. (laughs) Resurrection. It's synonymous with the most basic tenets of Christian belief, no matter what denomination, sect, or group one may come from. For most of us, we think about Jesus and the fact of his resurrection, and we think about the prospect of our own resurrection. On the surface, it sounds pretty simple. Be faithful, die, and then go to heaven. But, but, what if the doctrine of resurrection entailed more than that? What if what we normally envision with our resurrection eyes was only the beginning of something much bigger and even more amazing? Folks, stay with us this morning. This is a very unique conversation uh, on a on a very uh, important Christian doctrine, uh, and we're taking it from a very uh, unique perspective. Yes, we are. And and to do that, Jonathan, I mean, who would have thought to have Psalm forty five ten as a theme scripture for uh, a discussion on resurrection? Isn't that interesting? I wouldn't have thought of it. Would you have thought of I it? I wouldn't have thought so of it. So we had to bring in a special guest who thought of it. Uh, folks, we have with us this morning uh, Dave Christensen. Dave, good morning. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Jonathan. And uh, we need him a little bit louder on that mic there. Uh, so, Dave, uh, where are you from? Who are you? What are you doing here anyway? Who let you in? <laughs> <laughs> See if I can keep track of those questions. Uh, uh, I am from the West Coast. I live in a suburb of Seattle. And I'm... What was the next question? <laughs> One at a time. Uh, well, okay. So, so you're from the West Coast. And why are you here? What is your, what is your connection with, with Bible study and, and all of that? Well, um, I belong to a group uh, called the Bible Students, like yourself. And we have brethren all over the world. And we love the brethren out here out east. And I was asked to choose a topic <laughs> <laughs> for this show. So I did. Okay, and uh, and actually, D- uh, Dave is going to be uh, um, giving a, a talk today at a uh, convention uh, later later this afternoon. So, uh, so Dave, you and your wife Joanna have come out uh, for a visit for the weekend from Seattle, just for the weekend. 
That is correct. That's a long way to go for a short time. It really that is. is a long way to go. <laughs> well, and, and well worth it to be with the brethren. Well, we're glad you're here. And so, fake folks, Dave is going to uh, be talking with us this morning about this particular scripture, Psalm 4510. And actually, Jonathan, we're going to be looking at Psalm 4510 through 17 throughout the program mm-hmm. and outlining the several aspects of resurrection. We're going to leave it at that at this point, the several aspects of resurrection. So let's get started uh, with just taking a look at the whole scripture, folks. If you've got your Bible, tune, uh, tune in. Yeah, turn to <laughs> Psalm forty-five, ten to seventeen. Listen, O daughter, give attention and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house. Then the king will desire your beauty, because he is your lord. Bow down to him. The daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. The rich among you, the people will seek your favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is interwoven with gold. She will be led to the king in embroidered work. The virgins, her companions, will follow her, will be brought to you. They will be led forth with gladness and rejoicing. They will enter into the king's palace. In the place of your fathers will be your sons. You shall make them princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, the peoples will give you thanks forever and ever. All right, all right. Time out. All right, all right. I'm, I'm having trouble here because you got this scripture, Jonathan. It's a beautiful scripture. Oh, it is. Read. It's gorgeous. So, Dave, what does this scripture have to do at all with resurrection? Well, let, let's take a look at it. We, we, yeah, let's. We, we kind of have <laughs> some different groupings here, and we'll see as we go uh, just how that does fit into the resurrection. You're trying to tell me to speak louder. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, and, and we have a couple of groups here. That's where we're going to start off. We have this daughter who is supposed to leave her father's house. Okay, We believe that's one group. That's Christians, those who leave worldly ambitions to follow the Lord. Okay, so what you're saying is the scripture breaks up all of mankind into different groups? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. So this one scripture in Psalm 45, essentially you're saying deals with everybody who's ever lived? That indeed, yes. That's what I'm saying. Interesting. This should be good. Okay, let, let's see how that unfolds as we go through this program uh, this morning. So let's take this apart. Let's go, let's go verse by verse here, Jonathan, just to try to get ourselves uh, in, into a context of, of, of how, to, how to get there, because uh, Dave is talking about these different groups. Reread verse 10, which we chose to be our, our theme text. Listen, O daughter, give attention and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house. Okay, so... Who does this daughter represent, and, and how would we know? See, Dave, you're saying that every, everybody's represented in this psalm. So let's take the daughter. Who does the daughter represent, and why do you say what your answer is going to be? Well, we believe that the daughter uh, are those that have dedicated their life to Christ to follow him unto death. And there's the key in there is that it says, forget your people and your father's house. Well, we're told... Uh, as Christians to do exactly that in uh, Matthew ten, thirty-five through thirty-seven. All right, all right, like? all right. Let's let's go through that. Matthew ten, thirty-five to thirty-seven. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Okay, so you're taking that scripture and you're saying that you're applying the principles in that scripture to Psalm 45, verse 10. 
And uh, yes, I am. And if you look at the relationship between father, mother, and and uh, children, that's a tight bond. I mean, who do you love more than your parents? Right. You know. And but it says, if you love them more than you love me, meaning the Lord, you're not worthy of me. So we're in essence to leave our father's house. Okay. And so when it says in this verse, forget your people and your father's house, you're saying, well, see that that that's like a big. Big red flag saying, "Oh, oh, oh! Look at, look at, look at Matthew ten because it's talking about the same kind of a thing." Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Okay, so so you, you you're making the connection, and, and a couple of things, Jonathan. As we go through this, folks, what we're going to be talking about today are several aspects of resurrection, many of which you probably haven't considered before. So you can take a look at this subject that we're putting on the table this morning, and and it can be somewhat uh, new to you, maybe even somewhat controversial to you. So the idea is to follow the scriptures and take the Old Testament and build the New Testament on the foundation of the Old Testament. And when we see things like this written in the Psalms, you can see the, the connections to the New Testament. So we need to take both of those together. It's such an important thing. And Rick, when it says forget your people, it makes me think of focusing on the future prospect of being with the Lord in heaven versus anything else. Right, exactly. And, and something greater, something further, beyond. Right, and that's what the Matthew scripture really, really does. It really it says does. You have to, you know, Jesus isn't saying to hate everybody in the world to just love no, me. No, But he's saying your focus, your primary objective in your entire life is to be focused on following after Christ in his footsteps. Now, now Dave, just I want to I want to go off into left field for just one quick second here because part of how you express that love for Jesus in your own life is some of the work that you do in the Philippines. Yeah, I felt a call to go there. I have a ministry there and there's some wonderful brethren over there and uh, I would rather do that than you know, many other things that I could possibly be doing that are more fun, maybe, or, you know... Easier. Easier, closer <laughs> to home, but... So, uh, so you, you've gone to the Philippines several times? Yeah, it's, you know, it's seven times, I think, in the last six years. That's a lot. Yes. And, and so you, you have been actively involved in that area of, of drawing people to Christ, drawing people to Bible study, and, and so forth. Yeah, and, and helping the ones that are. Okay. Because, you know, there's some challenges with language and things, and so it's, it's, it's been kind of slow, but there's some wonderful, faithful brethren there that are eager to learn. And, and, and folks, I wanted to bring that out because uh, Dave has got some wonderful experiences that we'll pri- probably try to sprinkle through the program here. But just, th- th- that's a, that's, in my mind, that's a living example of the kinds of things that we want to talk about this morning with the picture of this daughter giving attention, forgetting your people and your father's house. Um, let's go to another scripture in, in 2 Peter 1, verses 5 uh, through 11. Uh, and it just, it, it talks about the, the, the quali- qualities of a Christian. And then, and Dave, once we go through this, just help us to put it all together in terms of understanding this daughter, this daughter picture in Psalm 45. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. All right. So, folks, if you have a thought 
Um, we'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And we really want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page. Go to our blog at ChristianQuestions.com. So, so Dave, when you, when, when you hear that scripture, the Second Peter scripture, on, on the base of the Matthew 10 scripture, with the Psalm 45 thing sort of as the background, what's it telling us about this, this this, this picture of this daughter. Well, the picture of this daughter is you've, you've got a, a list of principles here. You're, you're, it talks about faith and moral excellence and knowledge and self-control. These are things that the Lord wants to see you build in your own life, in your own heart, and that requires you know, some diligence. Uh, and, and we look at that as those who have left their father's house to seek after something greater. It does not mean they should discard their parents and right. their father. Yeah. Absolutely not. Um, okay, so, so the interesting thing is that the first scripture was, was really about a decision. The second scripture, the second Peter scripture, was really about the action that follows the decision. So the idea of being a true Christian is not just saying, okay, I love Jesus more than these. That's great to say that, and it's a wonderful thing. And, and you know, you can applaud the, the 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 speaking of those words. But how do you live those words in your everyday life? And, and and Dave, this is more about. And it sounds bad to say it this way, but I'll say it anyway. This is more about more about uh, than than just loving Jesus. This is about living that love for Jesus by changing yourself. Exactly. Well, you know, we say, well, do you be- people say, do you believe in Jesus? To me, that means, do I believe into Jesus? Do I believe that oh, he good. is the Savior and that I want to be like him someday? It's not just, oh, I believe he exists. Yeah, I think it, this, uh, the Second Peter text tells us there's more, much more to it than that. It's, it's a lifetime growing process, into, hopefully into the likeness of him. I really like that phrase, I, I, I believe into Jesus. And, and that really talks about what our, what our job is. So then, the conclusion thus far then is really simple. The daughter in Psalm 45 represents who? Say it again. That resents... Uh, resents. Represents. It doesn't resent anything, yeah, but exactly. it does represent something. Sorry. <laughs> I tripped on my tongue there, brother. It's early. Uh, no, the daughter represents those who would follow our Lord and try to grow in these principles. That's who it is. Those The, the true Christians that are wanting to be like their Lord. Okay, so there's one segment of the world population that has thus far been identified in Psalm 45. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, David Christensen, and our subject is, How Many Resurrections Will There Be? Coming up, Psalms 45 describes the future. How many resurrections does it bring out? Only one, right? Wait a minute, are you sure? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, David Christensen. And our subject is, how many resurrections will there be? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, we're going through Psalm 45, verses 10 through 17. And Dave 
Christensen is our, our guest, as you mentioned, and he's, he's telling us that these scriptures are talking about all kinds of resurrections. That is interesting. Yeah, I, just, I still am not seeing resurrection in the scriptures, but we'll, we'll give him a few more minutes to, to get this point to, to come across. So let's continue with this, Psalm 45, uh, 11. Let's start with uh, 11, verse 10. So he says, uh, the daughter represents the true church, the truest followers of Christ. 45.11. Then the king will desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Bow down to him. So, Dave, when you hear that or when you read that, how, how does that continue to fit into the picture that you're starting to paint for us here? Well, this is still part of this class of pe- people who want to follow the Lord and be like God's son. And um, we're talking about a glory within, or, you know, they want to, um, uh, it's this beauty within. You know, as human beings, we, we dress nice. We put on shirt and ties, nice dresses, and we try to look nice. But our Lord doesn't care about that. What he cares about is what's in your heart. And, you know, we want to be all glorious within as well. So it is that inner beauty that is, is, is what is most appealing to God Almighty through Jesus. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. And, and that really fits with Galatians five twenty two to 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So that really fits into what you're saying. It's that inner beauty, that inner development, that character development, the crystallization of, of making ourselves to be more Christ-like in our everyday life. Absolutely. We're uh, trying to grow in that daily. All right. So how did you put it in the, in the first segment? Something uh, believing in... Into Jesus. Believing into Jesus. I want, I want to remember that as, as we go through this. Jonathan, why don't we uh, take a moment and go to the phones right now. Um, All right. Who well, do we have? We have Glory Beth from the Philippines. Good morning, Glory Beth, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Can you hear me? Oh, we can hear you loud and clear. Wow, I'm happy that Brother Dave is there. And so you, um, you know David. Oh, yes, he visited me here. So, so you're one of those that he goes down to visit there in the Philippines then? Yes, very much. I'm really pleased that I um, visited at least once a year. <laughs> I'm kind of isolated also, and so I'm happy that um, we have some time to fellowship. And this topic of resurrection of the dead is such a wonderful topic that, you know, whatever problems we have come across in this life, is something, you know, when we know that resurrection, there is always hope for the life to come. And, I, yeah, I think that true followers of our Lord Jesus is that daughter, you know, that's all glorious within. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, because um, in Matthew 16, it's about to leave, and about leaving your household, you forget your father's household. So it's in Matthew sixteen twenty four that, you know, if you, anyone come after me, let him... Um, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. So th- there is, uh, uh, you know, like if a husband has to live, you know, and a daughter also will, will be one will be in one flesh. So I think that and we and that there's that other resurrection of the dead also after that because these are people that will be blessing. There will be example. There will be models of greatness. Uh, to bless all the families of the earth and how wonderful the truth we have. I don't have the 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 most appropriate words I can I can say, but 
how beautiful this resurrection of the dead is, especially now that in our country, and I think many Catholic, uh, you know, about different cultures of Halloween and thinking about All Souls Day and All Saints Day, and and there's a, a lot of confusion about resurrection, but how beautiful, more simplified and more God-glorifying to know that not only the church, but also um, it says in First Gen 2, that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins, but not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And and it's also in First Timothy two six that um, He is the ransom for all. So beautiful. Oh, glory, glory! But thanks so much. Um, we uh, we really really appreciate you calling in. And, and, and Dave, just uh, just a few words to your friend Glory Beth there in the Philippines. Ah, magandang magandang gabi, Beth. Como estaka? Magandang gabi. Mabuti naman po. Mabuti din. All right, you heard it here first. <laughs> Whatever they said. Gloria, thanks so much for calling. We really, really appreciate it. Take care now. Thank you. Okay, uh, folks, and, and you know she 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 actually did a little bit of a sermon, getting ahead here, you know, talking to us about some scriptures that we are going to consider later in the program about the the, the breadth of the plan of God in terms of resurrection. So we're touching on the very first aspect of that, and Glory Beth brought in some other scriptures on that as well. So let's continue with the building process. And folks, if you do have a thought, we'd love to hear from you as well at 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. Again, we're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now, and you don't have to be from the Philippines to call in. That's right. (laughs) Well, let's continue in verse 12. The daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. The rich among the people will seek your favor. All right, so so Dave, you know, a wedding, gifts, royalty, sounds like a big party. Who's the daughter of Tyre? Who are the rich? How, how does this all fit into the picture that you're, you're talking about in, in, in relation to the, the, the resurrection um, that God has planned? Uh, yeah, good question. Um, we're talking resurrection here, and the church before the resurrection doesn't grant this kind of favor. Uh, from the rich, they don't need Christianity. They don't recognize those who are really, you know, in general. I'm speaking. Um, and Tyre, and the daughter of Tyre. Tyre was a, um, a town of great commerce, uh, uh, you know, and a lot of money, known for the rich people. And even they will bow down uh, eventually. That's now we're talking after a resurrection here. This doesn't happen before that. Um, those who are faithful unto death and receive this reward after the resurrection, um, everyone who else who didn't strive for that will will uh, show favor toward the glorified church. So the idea then is Tyre has not been a place where you go to ha- to, to show honor uh, to to true Christianity in, no. in this world in in history. That is correct. Right. So, but you're saying that because it's showing Tyre will bow down, it has to be a future picture. And you're suggesting that this is all part of that that whole thing, and it's going as far as to say that Tyre, this this city of great commerce that essentially had no no desire toward God, will actually bow down before God. Yes, um, and, but obviously that hasn't happened yet. That's right after, uh, let's say, a resurrection. Okay, all right. After, not the resurrection, he says, but a resurrection. We'll we'll develop that a little bit further. All right, so Jonathan, uh, 45.13. We've got to see if we can move through this now. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is interwoven with gold. Okay, so Dave, on that, um, our our time is starting to uh, to flee by here. The, the, The picture 
the, the king's daughter is glorious, interwoven with gold. What does that suggest to us? Well, uh, gold is, is a picture of the divine. We read about in uh, uh, Revelation uh, uh, 18.16, and it says, um, we're talking about a great city clothed in purple and scarlet and gilded with gold and precious stones. So it's a picture of, of heaven. It, not that gold's going to be in heaven, you know, but something very valuable that we know pictures something incredibly valuable that we don't know yet. Okay, and, that, and that's kind of like Revelation 3.18, advise you buy of me gold refined by yeah. fire. And, yeah. and so there's a picture of the refining process is sort of present, the refined process is future. And again, that indicates resurrection. Um, let's go to Psalm 45.14, because again, we need to move through this. What else is there in description of this, this daughter? She will be led to the king in embroidered work. The virgins, her companions, will follow her, will be brought to you. Okay, so you have said that the daughter in Psalm 45, verses 10 through 13, the daughter is the truest followers of Christ. Yes? Yes. So, and let's be specific. It's not anybody who claims the name of Christianity, but it is the truest followers of Christ. That is correct, and of course, we have no way of knowing who's who. We don't. Okay. We don't make that choice. The Lord knows who whose are His. But there is a there is mm-hmm. it's it's a smaller type of a group then because these are the footstep followers living their lives and sacrifice, just like you said, believing into Christ, not just believing in Christ. Yeah, I believe that's correct. And the Scripture says, uh, "Straight is the gate, narrow is the way, yeah. and few there be that find it." Okay. So with that. Um, when you have, you have something else introduced now in Psalm 45, verse 14. It says, The virgins, her companions who follow her, will be brought to you. Um, so, who are these companions of the truest, most faithful followers of Christ? Well, the Scripture says, Many are called, but few are chosen. Okay. So, many are called to this, uh, this following, but um, we, we look at, uh, kind of compare it to Matthew 25, um, which starts out uh, 1 and 2 says... Okay, go ahead. Let's, let's read that. Matthew 25, 1 and 2. Matthew 20. I've, I've got it. Okay. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. Okay, so it's talking about virgins there as well. Right, but... Some were foolish because they didn't keep the oil of the Holy Spirit in their lamps. This, this is a parable, so it's right. also picture language. Right. And, uh, but the but there five of them were prudent. And so those are the ones we feel that were faithful unto death and, and followed the principles and built their heart to where they needed to be. And the others were a bit lax. However, okay. they are still virgins. Okay, so and that, that's an interesting point. because So what you're saying is you, you've got this, this picture of followers of Christ broken into two categories. It's like a wedding with, with bridesmaids following behind the bride. Right, exactly. Right, right. right. And, and that's what's shown in the Psalm 45. But, but you know, you're saying that, that followers of Jesus are, there's, there's two basic categories of, of, uh, of, of, of followers. Those who really, really follow through and use the, the oil of the God Spirit and so forth. And then those who follow along should have, know how to, but don't seem to. Yeah, they don't quite measure up. 
Okay, so then that doesn't sound like a very nice thing to talk about. They don't the ones that don't measure up. I mean, what's up with that? <laughs> so how how do we describe them? Um, how do we put that in order? Uh, let's see. Why don't we go to um, Jonathan, let's jump down to Revelation 20, verses 4 to 6. Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus, and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. So now if we put resurrection to the pictures that we're talking about. So this revelation scripture is specifically talking about exactly whom? That's the footstep followers that were faithful unto death and will receive that ultimate prize of glory, honor, and immortality. So now, is that is that talking about all of the virgins or the five? The five prudent virgins. Okay. okay. I, I have a, a scripture for you that might help. Okay. Um, Revelation chapter 7. And it, the first part of it talks about this group. Okay, they're on the thrones. But if you get to verse 9, it says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation and all tribes, peoples and tongues, standing before the throne uh, and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. Okay. We I want you to hang on with that because sure. we're out of time for this segment. We're going to come back to that scripture uh, in the next segment. So what we're doing is we're going through Psalm 45, 14, uh, 45 and, and looking at the different categories of people and applying different levels of resurrection to the different categories. And now all of a sudden there's certainly more than one. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, David Christensen. And our subject is, how many resurrections will there be? Coming up, a first resurrection implies other resurrections. What comes after the first? Is it all bad news? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, David Christensen, and our subject is, How Many Resurrections Will There Be? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget to go to ChristianQuestions.com and sign up for CQ Rewind the full edition. That is a free service exclusively available at ChristianQuestions.com and it takes the program that we do on every Sunday morning, puts it into a PDF format, graphics, illustrations. It, it's a free service. and it, it's, it's awesome. And you know what? It's really cool. It's just cool stuff. And don't forget to uh, get the Christian Questions app for your smartphone. Go to your smartphone store, type in Christian Questions and download the free Christian Questions app. Okay, Dave, let's get back to this thing because this is a fascinating twist, if you will, that I don't think a lot of us a lot of our listening audience would be familiar with. You're, you're, you're talking about sort of the, 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 the body of Christianity and you're dividing it into two different categories. You're saying, there, and you said, Jonathan, is, there, is it all bad news? Right. Well, it sounds like, you know, when you have these unfaithful virgins, that, that doesn't sound like great news. Well, first of all, let me understand one thing. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm dividing this. I believe that there is that, and I, 
we've discovered that in the scriptures. Right. Okay. okay. And I, right. and I, I okay. that's good. I'm glad you clarified that. Okay. So it's not Dave's fault. It's the yeah. scriptures' fault. <laughs> well, if we, if we, we just read before the break Revelation seven nine, and we're talking about a group that is not on the thrones like the group previously mentioned. However, it's in front of the thrones. Well, that implies that it's also a heavenly group. Okay. Um, so, so now, just let me let me interrupt you there. So, you're saying that. If it's heavenly, obviously, then there's a resurrection attached to it. Correct. Because how do you get from earth to heaven? Well, it's only by resurrection. You're starting to get there, brother. I am. Okay, this is starting to make sense. <laughs> so you have the, the truest followers of Christ. Uh, and in that scripture in Revelation we read the last time, that was the first resurrection. Correct. Okay, so first implies others to follow. So what you're saying is you have this other group, this great multitude that's called in, in, in Revelation. And they have several things here, Jonathan. Three, three bullet points on this. Uh, they have white robes, which means purity. They were virgins. And you made that point at the end of the last segment, Dave, that, that they're still virgins. Even though they didn't do everything they were supposed to, they still had that level of purity, correct? Yes. And can I explain one thing? Yes, of course. When you say they didn't do everything they were supposed to do, we think more in terms of they didn't have the zeal, maybe. Okay. They didn't have quite the trust in our Heavenly Father. Still believed in this and that, but it wasn't. You know, many of them probably are trying to do the right things. We, we don't judge that. They're on on before any resurrection. We don't say, "Oh, this one's in this group and this one's in that group." The Lord knows, and so here there's one group, but it's kind of divided up after they're resurrected. So, okay. So what you're saying is, it's not for us to go around and saying, "Ah, oh, you're one of the foolish virgins." Aha, you're one of the wise. Okay, I'm going to stick with you. Very good, brother. That's, that, is, that is exactly right. You got it, Rick. He can be taught. <laughs> so, and that's an important factor. The idea is that by the grace of God through Jesus, you have a necessary judgment and a necessary separation within those who are following after Christ. Right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so they've got that purity. What, what else, Jonathan? Well, Rick, they had palms in their hands, and palms, we know, represents victory. Right. Okay. What else? A great multitude before the throne in heaven, and they're pure. So it does sound like a victory, uh, and, and it sounds like, okay, this is really great. But now let's just jump down to uh, Revelation 7, verses 14 and 15, because it says, okay, now who are these? So, and what's the answer? And I said to him, my Lord, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. So, so Dave, we just said it sounds like victory, but now it talks about this great tribulation. How, how does that help us understand, and again, not something that we can judge, but what the scriptures lay out for us as the different aspects of the result of a dedicated Christian life? Well, of course, we can't define what is tribulation for any given person. It may be mental anguish. It may be actually physical things. Um, trying, you know, the Lord is working with them to try and steer them back in the right way, whatever. I mean, there's myriad examples that you could bring up. Um, and so that's, that's what that means. But it's still that group that hasn't, didn't quite make it. And uh, in this scripture, and we're looking for it right now, uh, they're called overcomers and more than overcomers. And we would think that more than overcomers or more than conquerors, depending which Bible you use, and conquerors are, are those two groups. Okay, folks, if you have a thought, 
It's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And if you call and we can't get you in on this hour, you can just hang on and we'll put you on in the second hour. And you can tweet us at CQNet Radio. All right. So... You, you've got this more than overcomers and overcomers. Again, there's there's victory, but just a different level of victory. Uh, correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and let's go back to Matthew twenty five eight through ten. Just just to to look at the parable of Jesus that does the separating between those two groups. The foolish said to the prudent, "Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out." But the prudent answered, "No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves." And while they were Going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. So now, Dave, that sounds like that sounds pretty dramatic. Like, okay, we've got the oil, you don't have the oil. Go to the dealers, go, 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 find it. That sort of reminds me of the tribulation you were just talking about. You know, you have to go do something that you should have been prepared for already. Yeah, I, and I think you're right. And this is a. Um this is not something in real life. This is a picture. Okay. Uh, it's a parable. And so, uh, you know, we don't have literal lamps and literal oil. But it shows, it says, um, they're not, you know, they won't give their oil and share. And you think, well, that doesn't sound right. But the point is God deals with Christians on an individual basis. We are, re- we are responsible for us to fill our lamp, so to speak, with the oil of the Holy Spirit. And we can't fill it for someone else, much as we'd love to. Someone who is we can see is having issues or something. We can't do it. That's something they need to do. And if they don't do it and don't do it, eventually they're going to be, you know, uh, it's it's never going to get there. And the bridegroom comes and they're they're left out at least of the more than overcomer group. So you're saying then that this is like a, a different phase or a different type of resurrection? Uh, well, it's a different phase. Okay. Yeah. It's you have the. The, um, over, the more than overcome the daughter that yeah, was re- the okay. bride class okay that that's faithful unto death that, okay. and then you have this gold group. medal winners exactly <laughs> and then you have this other group that that ran the race but were lacking something the Lord knows what that is or was and that's the second group so they're going to be resurrected as well and they end up where in heaven so you're saying then that and, and folks again listen listen carefully to this because th- this is an unusual perspective for a lot of you and a lot of you have never heard this before but it really truly does make sense you're saying that this psalm 45 is showing us a picture that encompasses every human being that ever lived now we've only touched on in this first hour we've only touched on a very small part of that that whole picture because we've touched on only those who are really faithful christians we haven't even touched on people who who, who haven't even taken their christianity seriously Right? I mean, so far, yeah. And, and we certainly haven't touched on heathen or, or, or pagan or atheist or anybody else. It's coming, brother. <laughs> so, folks, if we're not on in your area for the second hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com, click Listen Live to stay with us for that. Because this psalm helps us to understand, in, 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 in a lot of picture language, what the future holds for everybody. And it's really fascinating when you, when you begin to get it. And, and I'm trying to get it as we go through this. So we've got this heavenly call that you have two aspects of resurrection. That those who are more than overcomers, the gold medal, and then the silver medal. Is that, is that a decent analogy? Yeah. yeah kind of. It, okay. Yeah, he says it's not really that yeah. good. Well, well what, it, what it says here in, in, in the Psalm 45, it says, They Mike. will enter into the palace. 
they will enter into the palace. Okay. That's both groups. Yes. But one is there to marry God's son. Yes. Picture language. Picture, At of the course. wedding. The other is there to observe and be in front of the thrones. Okay. And so there's a difference there. And you asked the question about their resurrection. Did you? Go ahead. They will not receive immortality. That's the big difference. The, the divine nature, life within yourself, like God and Jesus have. Remember it says yes, in the scriptures, yeah. um, we shall see him for we will be like him, or we, we shall see him as he is for we will be like him. And that's that very top group. The others, it's a very special group, um, but it's those who just fell a little bit short in the race. Okay. All right. So, so to define that by scripture, because we're almost out of time for the first hour here, uh, wh- what do we have so far? We've got we've got these two groups, uh, and Jonathan, Luke twelve thirty two really I think helps to identify one. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. So when you see the phrase "little flock," when Jesus is speaking, you see that phrase, Dave. That's talking about whom? Well. Before the resurrection, it's talking about those who follow him because, right. you know, few follow him. But if you translate that to after the resurrection, it's that even smaller flock within of many are called and those few are chosen. That's, that's a point that is kind of semantical. Yeah, but but, but another but either way, it's a small group. Right, right. So and and that's another interesting point. And when you think about it, you've got the whole world of mankind with the billions and billions and billions of people that have lived, and yet Jesus is addressing this world of mankind and saying, uh, "Don't be afraid, little flock. This little tiny group amongst the billions and billions and billions and billions of people. So it's a very small, select, elected group." that are, like you said, many are called, but few are chosen. So you've got that group, and then you've got Revelation 7, 9. And let's go to that, Jonathan. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Okay, so we go back to Revelation 7, 9, and you have this great multitude. So, so Dave, and you said the great multitude represents those who are in heaven but didn't do and weren't as faithful more than overcomers. Correct. Yeah. So they're there. So it's interesting that you have the little flock as a sort of a, a mental picture and then a great multitude. All of them are in heaven, but they occupy a different space in heaven. That's correct. They occupy a different role in heaven. That is correct. And so in the Psalm 45 then all we've done is touch on the first few verses. We've touched on the idea that this daughter is the ultimate faithful class, those very, very few that become what we would recognize as the bride of Christ. It's a a scriptural term, right? Correct. The others who are faithful but not as faithful, God's mercy brings them there, but they don't get the same reward. They do not. Okay. And and yet it will still be marvelous and, and to be in heaven okay. with our Lord. <laughs> it will still be a wonderful thing. Okay. So so and, and that that's an important point. Now, you know, you got to start to ask the questions about okay, what about the rest of everybody? What about and, and, and for the second hour, Jonathan, here here, here are the places we're going to go. What about the people in the Old Testament who are really 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 faithful that didn't know Jesus? Right. That they, that lived before Jesus. What happens to them? What happens to the Jewish nation? who were God's chosen people, right? I mean, Dave, we've got how many scriptures that tell us, you know, you only have I known through, from all the families of the earth, right? 
Exactly. And, I mean, we know of Israel today. What happens then to the rest of the world, to the rest of the everybody, to the rest of humanity? Do they get a resurrection? Is it pictured in Psalm 45? And do they get a resurrection? Yes. And is it pictured in Psalm 45? Yes. And what about Israel? Yes. And what about those real, real faithful ones in the Old Testament? Yes. Boy, he's good. He's got his answers just right down pat, doesn't he? <laughs> well, they said you needed a yes man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so, folks, if, if you can follow us on this, I know it's a little bit complicated because we're talking about things and, and, and it's talking about obviously something uh, future and something big. And, again, it's a perspective that many of you probably haven't heard. But if you're willing to take a walk, a slow walk through some scripture and look at the pictures and look at the symbols and look at the interpretations, it really does make sense. And the bottom line is that the plan of God um, can, the plan of God puts us in a position of knowing and understanding who is involved where, and it does. His plan does include every man, woman, and child that ever lived. Somehow, in the second hour, we're going to talk about just how all of that works and what to expect according to Psalm 45 with our special guest, Dave Christensen. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we will be back after the news and all of that. There's a lot more to discuss. It's a complex situation and subject, but a great, great end result. You don't want to miss it. So again, if we're not on your area in the next hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com, click Listen Live, and stay with us. Until the next hour, how many resurrections will there be? We'll talk about two. How many more? We'll be back soon. Think about it. is Christian Questions. William Jennings Bryan once said, Destiny is no matter of chance, it's a matter of choice. It's not a thing to be waited for, it's a thing to be achieved. Good morning everyone and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, we've got a fascinating subject on the table and a fascinating guest with us this morning. Yes, we do, Rick. And our question this morning is, how many resurrections will there be? And our theme text is found in Psalms chapter 45, verse 10. Listen, O daughter, give attention and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house. So we have got with us this morning Dave Christensen and his wife Joanna. They're sitting here in the studio with us. And uh, Dave is from Seattle, Washington area. Out here for the weekend, huh? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all the way out and all the way back in one weekend. It's amazing. Short 3,000 miles. That's, that's all it is, huh? <laughs> but um, and, and Jonathan, before we get back to, to, to the subject matter, uh, Dave has done uh, extensive work uh, in, in the Philippines in terms of, yes. uh, of, of supporting and developing Christianity there. And, and I asked him during the break just about some observations about the people of the Philippines. You were there, what, a couple of months after that, that huge storm Yolanda went, went through there? That is correct. What did you see? Well, we saw a lot of devastation. I mean, it was incredible. 
We also saw a lot of smiles. They're very resilient people. They're wonderful. The Filipinos are wonderful people, and they're very resilient. Uh, and like I was explaining to you earlier, um, this wasn't something new. They've had these typhoons for years and years and years, and they rebuild. Most of the homes are the ones that we know. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about the big cities like Cebu City and Manila, but out in the countryside, in the villages, their, their homes are made out of coconut lumber and uh, grass. And it doesn't take a lot of wind to destroy their homes. And so this Yolanda was recorded as the largest recorded storm ever. 200-mile-an-hour winds, 235-mile-an-hour gusts. That's amazing. And uh, it, uh, the devastation was incredible. But they put a smile on their face, they rebuild, and they go about their business, and it, it was wonderful. Um, a brother in uh, um, on the island of Leyte, which got hit the hardest, Buena Vista, him and his wife had a, uh, one of these grass uh, and coconut lumber homes next to a little building they had built for, for the brethren to meet in. Mm-hmm. And they both blew down, and well, they were rebuilding the, the chapel. And I asked, where's Brother Henio's home? Because I was showing a, mm-hmm. uh, somebody that, and, and this young man pointed over to a pile of rubble. He says, that's their home. <laughs> but they, they wouldn't let anybody help them rebuild their home until the chapel was was repaired so they could meet together and uh, they did have a place to stay have some shelter so but I'll tell you the attitude thanks for sharing that experience it is a great great example of of uh, resiliency in in a in a uh, in a very devastating situation Um, so let's get back to our subject matter folks we're talking about how many resurrections will there be and Dave in the first uh, hour we've been highlighting Psalm 45 verses 10 through 17 we've gotten through the first few verses and we've really highlighted two categories of resurrection. What are they, just very quickly? Well, this is a, a group called the Little Flock, the House of Faith, Household of Faith. And they are following our Lord in his footsteps, trying very hard to be like him. And those who are faithful unto death, as it says in Revelation 2.10, will receive that crown of life. Mm-hmm. And part of that group is those that didn't quite make it. For whatever reason, God knows this. We don't know these things. But something in their heart, they were short of oil in their lamps, as it says in Matthew 25, parable. And, but they will also receive a heavenly uh, uh, reward, but it won't be on the divine level. It would be more like angels. Okay, so, and, and they're called a great multitude in, in Revelation. Correct. So little fo- flock, great multitude. Correct. Okay, so we've got those two aspects of resurrection in place, those two resurrections, if you will. Now let's move forward through Psalm 45 and see how others end up fitting into this whole picture in Psalm 45 in terms of resurrections. Jonathan, let's go to Psalm 45, 16. In place of your fathers will be your sons. You shall make them princes in all the earth. Okay, princes in all the earth. Uh, Who are these fathers, and what does this have to do with resurrection? (laughs) Because Psalm 45, 10 10 to 17 doesn't mention the word resurrection anywhere, just saying. (laughs) But, But, you know... Who are these fathers, and what does it mean? In in the place of your fathers will be your sons. Well, it was quite common, um, especially in Jesus' day, uh, that uh, in Israel they called those leaders like Abraham, Isaac, Moses, those Mm -hmm. their fathers. Yes. But we have Abraham to our father. Um, And so they were who they looked up to. Their writings, they studied them. Uh, In the Old Testament uh, writings, they studied about them, the stories, especially of Abraham. he He was big. And they were called the fathers. Well, in the resurrection, um, instead of being those fathers, they'll be the children. 
Okay, and they... Wait, wait. Instead of being the fathers, the fathers are going to be the children? Is that what you're saying? Correct. Okay. And this is picture language again. Mm-hmm. But they're all going to be as the children. And so they won't, they won't have the same station, a heavenly reward, because they did not know Christ. There's only one name under heaven that you can be saved, and that's right. through Jesus Christ. That name would, did not exist in the Old Testament. Okay, so you're, we're taking now, we're focusing on those individuals. So we're not t- focusing necessarily on the whole Old Testament. You're just picking out those individuals of great faith. Absolutely, And yes. we're saying those are representative of fathers. Let, let's establish that scripturally. Um, and then and let's, I want to go through this a little bit more deeply because this is really important. First uh, Peter 1, 18 and 19. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. So the fathers then were those of ancient faith, like you just said. Correct. Because it's talking about forefathers in, the, in that particular verse. Yes. Okay, so that helps us to put that in, into, into, into the picture in, in a way to better understand it. The he- Hebrews chapter 11 highlights many of these worthy, faithful Old Testament individuals. And, and, and Jonathan, let's just go to a couple of verses there, and then Dave, I want to go back to you and see if we can tie this in and see how exactly it all is going to fit together in light of Psalm 45. So Hebrews 11, 39 to 40. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Okay, so Dave, how does that help us grasp the idea of the role that these ancient individuals of great faith played in relation to the role that the true followers of Christ play? Okay, well, it says, first of all, they had faith. They were very faithful to our Heavenly Father. And then it says they did not receive what was promised. Yeah, that sounds like what? Yeah, and and there was no promise back then. The promises to Israel and the ancients even before Israel, their promises were earthly. Mm-hmm. They were going to get this land. Uh, it's spelled out in, in a couple different places that they would get this land and they would uh, uh, excel in basket and store. All these blessings would come upon them. Uh, whether uh, through the law or even before, just for being faithful. But nowhere is there a promise that they would be like uh, Jesus, never mentioned in the Old Testament. So they would receive, they would come back to earth. Okay? Okay. And as doing such, that makes them them the sons. They would be less than okay. the church class, the bride class, which be- is in heaven. Got it. Very important station. Very wonderful it's going to be, but um, it's it's not the same. Okay, so the end re- and, and folks, this this becomes if you can if you can get wrap your head around this, this becomes a very very important point of understanding when we look at how the resurrection really works in its overall picture. What we're, what we're saying here is that you have the true followers of Christ given that heavenly reward because Jesus opened up the door to heaven. That's right. But you have all of those incredibly faithful people before Jesus. And, and, and Dave, when you look at the lives, that we were talking about this during the break, the lives of those ancients that lived in those early times, Moses and Abraham and, 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 and so forth, Joseph. and I mean, they, their, their faithfulness was, was, was staggering. It was. And if we read all of Hebrews 11, it kind of tells you some of those stories briefly. Yes. And... and so you're saying that they get this reward, but it's not a, a reward in heaven because they weren't offered that reward. 
That's correct. And but but the scripture in Psalm forty five says, "You shall make them princes in all the earth." In all the earth, it doesn't. You're not going to be princes in heaven. See, now I'm starting to get why Psalm 45 is about resurrection. So this is the third resurrection we've identified, yes, is that right? Yeah, this is the third category of humanity that is, is, is going to some kind of end result that's, that's um, different from where they are, depending on when they live, depending on what they do. We can see that when we live and what we do have very, very direct uh, um, uh, uh, input into what, where we end up and what we end up doing later on. Yeah, and, and it's not that we're judging these people. It says right here, um, they gained approval through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised. Right. He's talking, and he's talking to Christians here. The promise to a Christian is something different. Um, and if you read um, Micah 4, 1 to 4, I'll just read part of it. It says that, um, that the word of the Lord will go out uh, from Jerusalem and... Uh, and oh, from Zion will go forth the law. We believe Zion is the resurrected, uh, glorified church. That's where the laws, the principles, will go out to mankind, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Jerusalem will be the earthly capital, and these princes will be the ones that are dispersing this information. Okay, so so now this is all starting to, to fit into a much bigger, more sensible picture. So they have a special role in yes. resurrection. Yeah, they do. A very, very special Absolutely. role. Absolutely. And, and it's interesting. Let, let's go to, to Hebrews 11 again. Just just a few verses. Hebrews 11, 32 to 35. Because I think this helps us put it in perspective because, you know, we had a scripture that identified the first resurrection. Right? We, we, yes. We had that, and we understand that that's the, the spiritual thing. Well, let's t- take a look at Hebrews eleven thirty-two to 35, because it also talks about resurrection. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and jo- Jopheth and of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting the release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. So, in Hebrews 11, where it's describing many of these 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 worthy, worthy ancient individuals um, for their faith, it talks about a better resurrection. How does that fit into the context of what we're talking about? It's oh, better. It, it is better. And if we look back at Hebrews 39 again, or Hebrews 11, 39 and 40, it says <coughs> uh, that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Us being the church class, the, the, the Christians. The true followers of Christ, right? So they will come back on earth as perfect human beings. So it's an earthly resurrection, not a heavenly, but it's called a better resurrection, which must mean there's a worse resurrection. Uh, We're we're still going, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're going to have to get to what is this other resurrection, this worse resurrection, because now we have, so so far we've got now, now there's three categories. Indeed. Okay, very quickly before the end of the segment, what are they? Quickly. Well, the two heavenly ones, the church. So, so the church, the, the most faithful, the most faithful, then the, receive the divine nature. Then those who are less faithful, right, and the most faithful end up being what's called the bride of Christ. Correct. And then the second is those before the throne with uh, palms of victory in heaven. In heaven. And now the third category that we see 
revealed in, in Psalm 45 is. They didn't have the promise of a heavenly reward, but they will come back perfect on earth. Princes. A better resurrection. Princes in all the earth. So, so folks, I hope you can see, this gets very, very fascinating now as the resurrection process expands. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, David Christensen, and our subject, How Many Resurrections Will There Be? Coming up, what kind of resurrection does everyone else get? Now, is it bad news? Is it a worse resurrection? We'll see. That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, David Christensen. And our subject is, how many resurrections will there be? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And, Jonathan, as we, as we go through the, uh, the, the, the process of, of understanding this, this, these different uh, levels of resurrection, the last thing we mentioned here was the idea that uh, the, these ancient individuals will be resurrected, David. You said resurrected on earth. Correct. So let, let, let's just back up and, and, and establish why do you think... The, they're going to have a resurrection on earth because a lot of Christian den- denominations look at the earth as terminal. The earth is going to be burned up or something like that. Uh, yeah, and uh, there's Ecclesiastes 1.4 which says the earth abideth forever mm-hmm. which means it's not going to be destroyed. Okay. And um, Isaiah 45.18 says Isaiah 45.18 For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens God himself that formed the earth and made it he hath established it he created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. That was the whole point of it. He wanted his earthly family to be on the earth. So, okay, so just let's put this all in perspective because, again, this might be surprising to some who are listening. They say, wait, 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 the earth is going to b- b- abide forever. Well, what about Armageddon? What about all the big, great destruction that's coming? You believe in that, right? I do. The scriptures teach that. It's a okay. time of trouble such as never was nor never shall be. But it... It doesn't end with the destruction of the earth. Not according to Ecclesiastes 1.4. <laughs> okay. The earth abides forever. Okay. So. so so what we're saying is that the earth is here for an eternal purpose. Exactly. And the eternal purpose is for the blessing of all mankind. And, you know, we see that in, in the Abrahamic promise in the end and I see shall all the families of the earth be blessed. We're going to expand on that, that concept as we go through this. So let's get back to Psalm 45. Let's go to verse 17. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, the people will give you thanks forever and ever. Okay, so this... That's a a long time. Yeah, you're right. And and that's an important point because the last verse was about being princes in all the earth. Right. And now this is another aspect of people. It says, your name to be remembered in all generations. Who are the all generations in Psalm 45, 17? That's everybody other than who we've been talking about. That is the whole rest of the world of mankind. So we've been talking about the, the faithful Christians, the, the less faithful but faithful Christians, those ancient individuals who were really, truly faithful, and now the everybody else. Everybody else. So this yes. is the fourth aspect then of resurrection. Yes. All generations, it says. Okay. So it talks about that, and again, Jonathan, like you said, it's right after the verse that says princes in all the earth. That's right. Okay. So let's just go... Uh, 
uh, again, establishing resurrection for all mankind. Let's go to John five twenty eight and 29. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth, those who have done the good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Okay, now the King James Version says damnation, but the word actually does mean judgment. We're not going to take a lot of time on that. So, so, so Dave, when you look at that scripture, that's a very well-known often quoted scripture of Jesus, it sounds like he's dividing the world into actually two categories. We're saying there's actually four categories here. He's, he's got like two big categories. Right. And, and one of them is a spiritual, heavenly. That would include both the groups we talked about. It. One of them is earthly, and these two groups we're talking about. So it really does make sense that the, the four subsets of resurrection are part of two major sets, earthly resurrection and heavenly resurrection. And then, now see, now it really makes sense when you think about the Lord's Prayer that all, every Christian knows, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you see that it all begins to fit together. Well, Rick, let's go to the phones. We have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, uh, uh, David and uh, Joanne. Good morning. And I, uh, I appreciate your missionary work in the Philippines. God bless you for that. Thank you. It is and such a blessing for me. Indeed. Uh, uh, and I, uh, I don't know if I have the authority, the authority to confer upon you the uh, sounds the, like the uh, phone's ringing, Julius. My other phone, my cell phone is ringing there. <laughs> uh, to confer you uh, uh, a PhD, henceforth you shall be known as Doctor Christensen <laughs> for your uh, for your thesis on the forty fifth Psalm. <laughs> what a what a great Psalm! Thank you for making it more understandable for me. God bless. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate Thank your call. You. Okay, bye bye. All right, Dr. Dave. <laughs> the doctor is in. <laughs> and, and, and again, Dave, just, and I, I know what you're thinking and, and, and what you're saying. Is you're, not, you're not making this up. This is what's in the scriptures. We're just trying to unfold it and understand it. Correct. Okay, so, all right. Julius, thanks for the call, uh, and uh, we appreciate your, 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 your faithfulness to, to uh, being part of the program. Let's get down to this thing, this idea of resurrection on earth, because it's such a difficult thing for so many of us to grasp. But it's not just those couple of scriptures that Dave just quoted. You know about about the earth was uh, was 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 what did that Isaiah scripture say? It was made to be inhabited. It made yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. There are several prophecies. We're only going to quote just a verse from each of four different prophecies to make the point that this is not some fluky scripture that you just come across and and build a whole doctrine out of. This is a continual scriptural theme that keeps coming up over and over and over again. So, Jonathan, let's start with Isaiah 26.9. At night my soul longs for you. Indeed, my spirit within me seeks you diligently. For when the earth experiences your judgments, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. So, Dave, when you read that scripture, what is it telling you? It tells me that judgment is a good thing. When the earth, earth comes under judgment, it's going to be done in righteousness. And the whole point of it is to teach the world what they've been doing wrong and then judge them after they've been taught. Now, that's a different take on, 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 a, on a day of judgment. Well, not for me. It's not well. different. <laughs> <laughs> you. But, yeah, most look at it as this awful thing, the day of judgment. The day of judgment, it's going to be when the inhabitants will learn righteousness. That doesn't sound like a bad thing to me. No, not at all. And that's what the scripture says is going to happen. And see, that's the thing. Folks, understand... 
when we're trying to explain these things, it, we are not capable of explaining them. So you have to go to the scriptures and see the prophecies and then look at the prophecies and say, okay, here's what the prophecies say. Here's what they must mean. Let's go to another one. Habakkuk, another one. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So, Dave, that sounds like a pretty broad statement. Well, it, it is. Um, it's the whole earth. That's how broad it is. But the knowledge of the Lord, it does not cover it right now. I no. Mean, only, right, right. only about a third of the population of the earth right now claim any even small part of Christianity. That's, that's only a third. Um, and this says the whole earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. So that would have to be after the resurrection. And after this, that's what's what the judgment time is. We read Micah 4, 1 to 4. It talks about teaching and then judging. That's what it's for, to teach and then judge on what they're taught. Many of them, you look at the Middle East, save for Israel, are not taught about God at all. Yeah. yeah so so, so it, it really gives us a sense of the broad stroke that God's plan has, according, not according to the philosophy of, of Dave Christensen or Jonathan and Rick, but according to biblical principle and prophecy uh, another one psalm 22 verse 27 all the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the lord and all the kindreds of the nation shall worship before thee now dave i know this one has not come true yet <laughs> <laughs> yes all the nations of the world are not worshiping the uh, true father the true heavenly father so folks when you read these prophecies how do you how do you put them into your into your into the, into the space of your belief system how do what do, what are these prophecies telling us that we need to understand if you have a thought give us a call at 866-985-4255 that's 866-985 for all we're live sunday mornings from 7 to 9 that means we're on right now and our website christianquestions.com and and let's go to just one more and and look there are, there are a myriad of these prophecies we're only touching on just four single verses from four, from four different prophecies. There's many, many more. But this is another really, really good one that's very specific. Isaiah 11.9. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So, again, Dave, you have that same analogy about the waters covering the sea, but it talks about a holy mountain here. What, 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 is, that, what is that about? Uh, the word mountain in the Old Testament is often used to represent a kingdom or a nation. Okay. Yeah, and so um, uh, the, in his, it says, "In my holy mountain, this is the Lord speaking." In his in his government, it, that's going to cover the earth. It certainly doesn't now, right? You know, only uh, you know, not even a majority believe in him. Um, so that that's what that mountain is. It's it's God's government. So so not only do we see the earth abiding, but now we see the government of the earth as God's government. So it not only lasts, like the scriptures say, you know, the earth was meant to be inhabited. Well, great, it could be a really bad place and it's still inhabited. But no, 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 no. That's not what the plan shows us. The plan shows us that resurrection, earthly resurrection, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, is actually about a, the physical earth being for the inhabitants, uh, 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 the, uh, the inhabitation of, of mankind under the government of God. That's what these prophecies are saying. Yes. Yeah, a, a quick, I'll read part of a scripture, Isaiah 66, uh, verse 20, to show about the mountains. And it's at the end of it says, To my holy mountain, Jerusalem. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes, that makes a connection there. And there's others that do as well, calls Jerusalem his holy mountain. Well, 
Jerusalem wasn't a mountain. It might have been on a mountain, but Jerusalem itself was a government. It was a governing body of Israel. So what we're given in Scripture is a, is a clear-cut vision of the future through the eyes. And this is interesting, Jonathan, because it's through the eyes of these several different resurrections that, that we've been talking about. And you don't get those resurrections all in one nice, neat little package unless you go to Psalm chapter 45. And it, it doesn't even say the word resurrection. Right. <laughs> but it gives us a sense of here's what the future looks like. And the future looks like God's got his hand on every aspect of humanity throughout all of history, and everybody's included in, in that song. It sounds like good news to me. It is good news. Now, it, it's good news that comes through a lot of trial and tribula- tribulation and, and difficulty. Um, you know, and Dave, you were talking a little bit about you know, Armageddon and the time of trouble such as never was. And do you, Now, do you think we're in that time of trouble? Um, I think we're approaching it very quickly. So we're not it even there yet? To be. Is, uh, it's, it's a time of trouble such as never was. That includes the flood, the dark ages, the uh, plague... Uh, you, you know, World War One, World War Two, World World War Two. Excuse me. Um, and so it's such as never has been, nor shall there ever, ever be. be. Yeah. So it's going to be n- not not a good time. Okay. But it's a purging and cleansing time. Pur- purging and cleansing of what? Uh, mankind's uh, uh, reluctance to worship God, and uh, eventually. You know, mankind is going to come to the point where they're going to be on their knees, symbolically speaking, and they were looking for God, and and they will finally find Him. And a lot of that comes, in, and I we're getting, we're getting off topic here, but I think this is important. A lot of that comes through the 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 role that Israel as a nation plays. You know, and we see that that Israel as a nation has has been God's chosen people, even though you have the spiritual Israel. But we, we know that Israel, you know, you've mentioned Jerusalem several times through the prophecies. Uh, we know that Israel plays a, a key role. So as, as Jerusalem goes, as Israel goes, so goes the plan of God. Yes. If we watch what happens with Israel, we will therefore see and understand much more of what happens with the plan of God. Again, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And don't forget our website, ChristianQuestions.com, and go to our Facebook Facebook page. Like us on Facebook. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your comments on Facebook. If you want to email, you can do so at Rick, R-A-C-K, at ChristianQuestions.net. And uh, that's a personal email. You get a uh, personal response there. Um, Jonathan, we're about out of time for this segment. So uh, there, there's several other scriptures we wanted to talk about. We just don't have time. Um, so actually, Fred, Fred, let's do this. Let, let's, go, let's go into the break right now because it, it's an important thing to set up for the last segment. We're talking about resurrection. We're talking about Psalm 45. And there's four different resurrections that have been put on the table. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, David Christensen. And our subject, how many resurrections will there be? Coming up. So we have all these different classes of resurrection. What is the end result? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, David Christensen. And our subject this morning is, how many resurrections will there be? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. 
We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, this is just a fascinating, fascinating look at, at the destiny of all of humankind. And, and it's broken down into four basic categories according to the Psalm 45. And, and Dave Christensen has, has been walking us through that. Uh, so before we get back to all that, why don't we go to the phones? All right. Well, we have Beth from Tennessee. Good morning, Beth, and welcome to Christian Questions. Okay, Beth, we can't hear you, Beth. Oh, can you hear me now? Oh, we can yes. hear you now. Okay, I, I'm going to make this short, but I just want to thank you so much. I feel I am jumping up and down. I am so excited about this because it just, you know, the Word of God is just so rich and so full of wonderful, wonderful news, and this shows the love of God and the love for His creation and the fact that Christ died for us all, and we all will have an opportunity to know God and to, to be in His presence, and that is huge, and it made my week, and I just love you guys so much, and I'm crying, and i got to hang up, but thank you so much. <laughs> Beth, really appreciate the topic. Beth, have a great day. we love you. You just you just make our day, so God, well, God bless just, you. I'm just, I feel like a cheerleader for God. I'm just <laughs> jumping up and down, and this is just... It's so wonderful. Thank you so much, Mr. Christensen. I really enjoyed hearing you speak. Oh, thank you so much. God bless you, Beth. Take care. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. I don't know. She might be a little excited, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but you know what, Jonathan? She, she summed up something that we've been trying to say. And basically, she basically said, you know, she's, she's crying. She's jumping up and down with tears of joy because... God is a God of love. God is a God of compassion. And God is a God of a plan. See, that's the thing that I think we, we, we forget. He is a God of a plan from beginning to end. And the plan has... He loves the human creation. And he made it for a purpose. And his purpose will see it. He will see it through to the end. It is marvelous. Beth, thanks so much. You got me all excited now. And I thought I was excited before. <laughs> So, Dave, let, let, let's get back to this, uh, the, the idea of, of the, 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 the earthly resurrection, because, you know, we've been talking about that in light of heavenly resurrection, and that's, that's news to a lot of people. So, th- there's really two basic paths of enlightenment here that, that we're talking about. The first path of enlightenment is the one that I think all Christians are familiar with, the, the path of present enlightenment to so the true follower of Jesus, called and privileged like we were talking about mainly in the first hour. So, Jonathan, let's go to a scripture, and then Dave will, will comment. Mark four ten to 12 Yes. When he was alone, those who were around him, along the twelve, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you it has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything comes in parables, in order that they may, not, they may indeed look but not perceive, and may indeed listen but not understand, so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. So, so Dave, that, that's really talking about sort of an exclusivity uh, in terms of what Jesus is teaching. Right, and yeah, and it's also found in Matthew chapter 13, starting about verse 9. Um, and it, it's telling us that Christianity is not for everyone, but that doesn't mean God is going to discard the rest. No, he has a wonderful plan for them as well. Okay, and, and that, see, that's the beauty of this. And that's why Psalm 45 is such a great picture. You know, at the beginning I'm skeptical, saying, where's the resurrection? Show me the resurrection. And now it makes perfect sense because it lines up the four different categories of all of humanity. And in this, in this scripture that we just read in Mark, obviously it's talking about those uh, um, call to the spiritual calling. 
Right. Now, let's talk about those called to the earthly resurrection, the everybody else that we so often talk about. And this is really the second general path, the path of future enlightenment. This is to all of the human race. Uh, and, and this is an interesting scripture. Folks, pay close attention to the wording of this scripture. Uh, Jonathan, it's First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Okay. What about the way that scripture is worded helps us understand the second path of enlightenment, Dave? Well, it w- have all men to be saved. Right now uh, is the salvation of the church. Um, right. The, and, the, the and, true followers right, of Christ. Right. And we learned that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Quick scripture that I love. Yep. John 12:47. Those who hear me and believe me not, I judge not. So the call is now to the church. Wait, wait, what was that scripture? John 12, 47? 47, yes. Those who hear me and believe me not, I judge not. Which tells us those who do hear him are the ones being judged. But the earth will be judged later. We call it the kingdom or judgment day. So that gives us, again, the comparison of present enlightenment versus future enlightenment. Yes. Okay. Now, and also in this First Timothy scripture, it talks about all men to be saved. So it kind of puts being saved first... And then it says, and come to the knowledge of the truth. So that's the future enlightenment part. What it's saying is, the ransom will be paid, and then they'll learn. Exactly. Versus, we have to learn as Christians, we have to learn now, and then our our salvation comes, you know, through resurrection. Right. So it's, it's a backwards order. And, and, you know, the interesting thing, and Jonathan, we've talked about this, I don't know, a hundred times on the, on the program. The word for knowledge here means what? A full discernment. So the human family will have a full discernment of truth and about the sacrifice of Jesus later. So when you see that, and then you put it in the context of that Mark scripture that said, I'm not letting the world understand what I'm saying. Jesus is, is basically saying, yes, there is full disclosure, but they don't get it. Not now, not yet. This scripture is saying they will get it in their due time. And that's why Jesus says, some to a resurrection of life, the the present enlightenment, some to a resurrection of judgment, future enlightenment. And you said, Dave, before, that this day of judgment is not to be feared, but it's the day of learning. Oh, absolutely. When you're judged in righteousness, that can only be a good thing. Right. So, So, folks, you know... Let me, let me diverge for a second, and you go to the fairy tale ending. What's the ending of the fairy tales? Happily ever after. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a fairy tale. This is biblical prophecy that gives us a sense that this fourth level of resurrection, you know, it, it is a good thing. And we were talking about, remember, that those ancients in Hebrews 11 were given a what was called a better resurrection? Mm-hmm. So now we're defining the worst resurrection. So what's the worst resurrection look like, Dave? And let's, let, let's, let's finish up uh, in, in that aspect and talking about the, the earthly kingdom and so forth. It, you know, if you have a better resurrection, it's got to be better than something else. The, the, the last resurrection we're talking about is the whole world of mankind, the, the all, all, nation, all generations, it says in Psalm 45. And everyone will come out, it, it will be resurrected. But they will still meet a mediator because they will not be perfect, unlike the ancients we talked about, who will be, come back perfect. Right. So they will be taught to be uh, perfection. They will be um, judged on what they're taught. <coughs> And so they they have to sort of uh, gain gain that uh, uh, position of perfect human beings. And the kingdom and the judgment day being a thousand years, 
um, uh, that's what that time is for, to be taught uh, uh, of, well, fr- it says, and we read, that from, from the glorified church down through Jerusalem and out through these princes on all the earth, that's how they're taught. So not only are they taught, what you just indicated in, in that last statement of yours is there's, there's kind of like a hierarchy put in place to make all of this work. Yeah, there is. And each level of that hierarchy is going to be wonderful. I had a question. Does the nation of Israel have a special place at all in this because they were God's chosen people? Dave? Yeah, and, and I think if we look at Zechariah 8.23, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days, clearly meaning future, ten men from all the nations will grasp the garment of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Well, that certainly can't be now. People are not grasping <laughs> for Jerusalem or Israel to find truth. They're more shunning them and putting them, wanting them to go away. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah, so <laughs> this, this is after the resurrection, and they will realize that, that Israel will recognize their Messiah. They will be God, still God's chosen people, and these ancient ones will work with them as the governing body on earth. Okay, so now l- l- let's put it all in perspective because we're down to maybe about three or four minutes left here. Um, you've got the, the when, when you say the government of God, the government of God has two aspects, correct? It has a heavenly aspect and an earthly aspect? Yes. So how, just it, how do you visualize the whole process working? What role, we've got four different categories. Mm-hmm. What role does each of them play in relation to the other in these, these four different categories? The, the, the little flock, the great multitude, the ancients who are faithful, and then the rest of the world. How do, they, how, does, how do they interact with one another in this future kingdom that you're talking about here? Okay. As briefly as possible, the, um, the bride of Christ, those who receive divine nature, immortality, they will be part of that mediator, Christ's head and body. And they, they will be go between, they're the go-betweens between imperfect man, because even though they're learning perfection, they're not there yet. So this is during the day of judgment. Right. Okay. Yes. And so that's what they do. The ones from the great company will serve at their feet, doing, you know, we don't know exactly. It doesn't explain what their job is, but they will be serving and being go-betweens. Well, and when you figure there's probably, what, 25 billion people that have ever lived there's a lot of there's a lot of job opportunities there <laughs> to 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 be helping you know in, in that in that heavenly class right okay right. so okay so you've covered the so and and there's a scripture that talks about the the the, the true church judging the world or yeah um, we're talking about first Corinthians six chapter two it says uh, do you not know that the saints will judge the world well that's interesting. Because we're told not to judge one another. So this clearly has to be after the resurrection and when the church is in glory. They will judge and we learn in righteousness. Okay. And, and you know, and there's another scripture that talks about, uh, and we won't read it, we don't have time, but First Peter 2, 9 to 12 talks about being a chosen race, a royal priesthood, uh, a holy nation and so forth. You don't have a priesthood unless they're there to serve somebody. You're right. So the heavenly resurrection is for the purpose of of teaching and guiding and directing uh, the the earthly, correct. So you have those ancients sort of as governors on the earth. Is that the way you envision them? You know, the Abrahams, Isaacs, and Jacobs, and Daniels, and Josephs, and all of those guys. Sure, or princes. Princes. Okay, that's how they're described. That's yeah, how they're described. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then you've got the rest of the world that have to grow up into Christ. Okay. And now, how do they do that? By well. <laughs> 
Uh, do we want to get into Revelation 20 where Satan is bound during that same thousand-year judgment well, day? that's actually probably a good thing because during... See, here's the thing. And, and when you put it all in perspective, what you end up having is... There are certain there would be certain objections. Well, the day of judgment, you know, sounds harsh. You know, God's indignation and wrath and blah 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 and so forth. You know, you go through those things, but now you're saying Satan will be bound. That's what it says. So Revelation chapter twenty. What does that mean in terms of the opportunity given to the vast numbers of humanity? Well, it means that it. Well, it says in it, further on in Revelation twenty that he shall deceive the nations no more while he's while he's bound. Uh, he will not be able to deceive. So they will get that junk out of their brains and open it up to what God's Holy Spirit has to teach them. So then they can grow up without the disadvantage of darkness and evil permeating their thinking. Correct. But with the advantage of godliness and holiness based on the fact that, hey, guess what? You just came back from the dead. So there's something pretty miraculous that you need to be observant of and obedient to. Right. And they will learn those principles that... that Christians are learning now. Okay, so, uh, folks, I don't know if, if, you're, if you're getting this, but there's a, <laughs> this is a, I, I, I've started, what, six sentences? And I haven't finished one. <laughs> this is, this is a, inc- an incredibly detailed, organized plan that's laid out in Scripture. And what that plan does is it includes everybody, no matter who they are, no matter when they live, no matter how they live. And they're, 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 they're held up under the umbrella of one thing. There is one thing that makes this all work. I mean, we've been spending all of our time talking about the resurrection of this group and this group and this group and this group. But what about the one thing? What about the ransom price of Jesus? And Dave, we have about one minute. So just a comment on, on the pivot point of the ransom and then sum up your thinking. Well, in First um, Timothy... Uh, is that where you go? Yeah. In First Timothy chapter 2... Uh, it says um, in verse 5 and 6, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. But it doesn't stand there. The testimony given at the proper time. Now is the proper time for the church to learn about these things. And in the future, after the resurrection, is for mankind. And I would say to you, if he died as a ransom for all, shouldn't all benefit well, I think that's a good question, and I, I know the answer. I think yes. <laughs> okay, Brother Rick, could you help us with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, and, and that's the beauty of it. You know, all of us suffer as a result of the sin of Adam. All of us, therefore, can be blessed at, because of the sacrifice of Jesus. You have the perfect man who sins, the perfect man who gives his life for that sin. Justice is satisfied, and the plan of God rolls on. Dave, thanks so much for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure, a real blessing, and the idea of these four aspects of resurrection, really, really, if you, if you get seek your Rewind, the full edition, sign up. It's a free service. Get it on paper so you can look at it, you can study it, you can absorb it, because it shows you how the plan of God is showing us that God unequivocally is a God of love, mercy, and justice. For Jonathan, Rick, and Dave, and Christian Questions, we'll be back again next week with another subject. But till then, several resurrections and one glorious plan of God Almighty. Till next week, think about it.